hello and welcome. My name is Hannah and I'm with Living from the Overflow and I'm so excited that you've tuned in for another conversation. We are going to be talking about beginnings today and I'm really excited about it because I know it seems counterintuitive. You know, in real time, it's the beginning of December 2023 and it's close to the end of the year, but I want to talk about beginnings because there's something the Lord's laid on my heart that I think is relevant to the right here, right now, even though we're approaching the end of the year, which is typically the end of goal setting, the end of the visions people have set for themselves from the beginning of the year. But I have something special to share today that the Lord laid on my heart. So before we get too much further, let's invite the Holy Spirit in because if he's not part of the conversation, it's not worth having. Will you join me in prayer? Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this conversation. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide our words, guide our thoughts, guide our feelings, that you would give us clear insight into the condition of our hearts, into the thought patterns of our mind, that you would show us anywhere, Lord, where we are not operating as you intended for us to. We invite you to reveal what you want to reveal, to speak what you want us to hear, and to equip, inspire, and encourage us as you see fit. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I want to talk about beginnings. And the reason I want to talk about beginnings is because I think there's something really special when the Lord lays something on our hearts that requires the ending of one season and the starting of a new season. And there is no better place to look at how a beginning can unfold than looking at the very beginning, which is Genesis 1-1. You know, we read in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, what did God do? He created the heavens and the earth. So if we want to know how to navigate the beginnings of seasons, I think it's very important that we look at God and how he unfolded the beginning of time as we know it. God is very purposeful. He's very intentional. He doesn't do anything halfway and he never goes overboard and he never goes underboard. It is always absolutely perfect. And the creation story is no different. He gave us just enough detail to know that he's the author of life. And he gave us just enough margin where there's room to be curious. There's room for question asking. There's room that generates a desire and a hunger to learn more from our creator. And I think that as we start new seasons, as we enter into chapters of beginnings in our lives, it's really important that we don't think that we have to have it all figured out to be able to push start on a new season. We can trust God, our creator, and creator of the heavens and the earth, that he's got it all figured out, and we can take our cues from him. I think a lot of times, whether it's the beginning of a new relationship, or it's the beginning of a new career, or it's the beginning of a new season for our families, we can get all caught up in wanting to know all the details. We can get caught up in wanting to know how it's all going to unfold. We can get caught up in wanting to know that whatever the end of this beginning looks like, that we will not fail along the way. We want to know so many things before we are willing to step out in faith and say yes to the beginning that God is calling us to. But that's not usually how it works. 
in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God knew what he was doing. He knew what the end would look like. He knew what would happen all along the way. But he doesn't expect that of us to be able to start a new season. Because I actually think a lot of times the beginnings God calls us to initiate with him. If we actually knew everything that would unfold, everything we would be asked to give up or take on or transition out of and transition into, I think if we knew all of those details from the very beginning, we wouldn't be able to handle it. We don't have margin to know everything. We don't have capacity in our human wiring to know everything all the time right away. So I think it's very important that we take comfort in God knows everything. And when the timing is right, God will unfold what we need to know, when we need to know it, how we need to know it. But the only thing you and I need to know in order to engage in whatever beginning God is calling us to is that if God is calling us to it, he will see us through it. He will equip us, he will inspire us, and he will encourage us. I actually want to hop over to Exodus chapter Per usual, I am reading from the CSB. I've just really fallen in love with this translation. I really, really like it. So I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 2. And what I think is really amazing about this story is we see the story unfolding in real time for this woman of what it looks like to follow God's leading into a season of beginning, having no idea what's going to happen, having no idea if the harebrained scheme, the harebrained idea, whatever word you want to use that she has is actually going to work. But she knows this is what she needs to do for a current season to end and a new season to begin. And she trusts in God to do the work that she can't do. She trusts in God to dictate the outcome and she simply has faith and she simply obeys what he's laid on her heart to do. And honestly, if you and I can even have like 5% of this woman's courage, this woman's faith, this woman's boldness, this woman's trust, this woman's surrender to the Lord, we would be very, very well off in our walk with God. So here we are at Exodus chapter 2, and it says, Now a man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with asphalt and pitch. She placed the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Then his sister stood at a distance in order to see what would happen to him. We're in a time here in history of genocide. Like, baby boys are being murdered left and right because the Pharaoh feels threatened by the Hebrew nation. And so Moses was in the category of people that he wanted slaughtered. And so Moses' mom, all we know is that she was a Levite woman who married a likely that this woman knew a lot about God. And it's likely she had a daily relationship with him because I honestly, I don't know how she could have done what she did if she didn't have trust in God. And how do we have trust in God? It's through our relationship with him. It's through him proving himself over and over time after time. So I'm just imagining, I'm just speculating. The Bible does not tell us this. This is just 
me, Hannah, and how my thoughts work. I'm like, what was her daily life like? And I have to believe that her daily life included communing with the Lord on a regular basis, talking to him, listening to her husband read from the Torah. I'm, I am sure that she had an interactive relationship with the Lord because I don't know how else it makes sense that in an attempt to protect your baby from being murdered, you place your baby in a papyrus basket, hoping you sealed it up enough to make it waterproof, and you send it down the Nile, where there are crocodiles, probably alligators. I actually don't know what the difference is between crocodiles and alligators. If you do, please write to me. <laughs> because I don't know, is one freshwater, one saltwater? You guys are like, Hannah, stop talking about crocodiles and alligators. You clearly don't know what you're talking about. But anyways, what I'm trying to, to communicate is that she, to try to keep her baby alive, put him in a life-threatening situation because it was safer than the alternative of a for sure murdering of her son. And I don't, I don't know how she came up with this idea. I surely would not probably think to myself, if, if murder was on the table for my children, hey, I'm going to put you in a basket that I wove together and I sealed with asphalt and pitch and I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you in a basket and put you down this river. I wouldn't even put them down the canal that's a half a mile from my home in the city I live in. But she put her baby, trusting God, trusting that this would, this would curate a better outcome than some madman's evil plan born out of insecurity and jealousy. She put her baby in a basket to give her baby a new beginning at a time where it made no sense. Here we are at the end of the year, and I'm talking about beginnings. <laughs> and here she is facing the short end of her child's life and choosing a different path that will result in a beginning for him. Exodus 2 verse 5 goes on to say, Pharaoh's daughter went down to bathe at the Nile while her servant girls walked along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds, sent her slave girl, took it, opened it, and saw him, the child, and there he was, a little boy, crying. She felt sorry for him and said, this is one of the Hebrew boys. Then his sister said to, to Pharaoh's daughter, because remember, she was watching this whole thing go down. So I just imagine her coming out of the water, the water reeds saying this to her. Should I go and call a Hebrew woman who is nursing to nurse the boy for you? Go, Pharaoh's daughter told her. So the girl went and called the boy's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse him for me, and I will pay your wages. So the woman took the boy and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. I think that if Moses' mom would not have walked in obedience, Moses would have surely died. I do think that. I, I think we can infer that from the text. And I think it's so incredibly brave that she took a chance on risking a new beginning for her child that she was willing to give up everything she knew to be familiar with to hopefully see him thrive. And while we don't get to dictate the outcomes of our obedience, I take a lot of comfort in this passage I take a lot of comfort in her story. I take a lot of comfort in the way she radically obeyed God. Because had she not obeyed, death would have been certain. 
But even with not knowing the outcomes, she chose to trust God and she chose to say, yep, I'm closing. I will walk in obedience and I will allow this door to close in this season of my baby being with me. And I will trust you, Lord. And I will send him off for a new beginning for him. And look how the Lord honored her obedience. Not only did Moses make it through what I'm sure were treacherous waters along the Nile River and made it safely to Pharaoh's daughter, his mom was able to care for him, nurture him, nourish him, and be with him, just as she would have been if the murder threat wasn't on the table for Moses. So she gave something up out of complete surrender and out of complete trust in the Lord, not knowing how the outcome was going to play out. And look at how the Lord blessed her. And not only did he bless her with getting to raise her child to a certain age, he also blessed her by having Pharaoh's daughter pay her wages to take care of her own son. Isn't that like God to go above and beyond in his generosity toward what we need in every single season and in every single circumstance? I think we underestimate God's generosity in our life. I quite honestly do. I think we underestimate how much he is intricately involved in every detail and every aspect of our lives. When I look at this story, if I could break it down into three main takeaways of what happens when we walk in obedience to God, I see three things. I see that God prepares us for what he calls us to. God protects us while we're walking in what he has called us to. And God provides for us while we are operating in obedience. You know, Moses' mom had to prepare the basket. She had to go and gather all the reeds to weave the basket together. She had to go and gather the asphalt and the pitch. And she had to make this waterproof basket. She had to be prepared. But she didn't have to be perfect. And I think a lot of times as we're thinking about starting something new or entering into a new beginning or a new season with the Lord, we confuse preparation with perfection. And they are absolutely not the same thing. We are called to do things with excellence as a way to honor the Lord, but we are not called to be perfect. The only person that ever walked this earth that is perfect is Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we just cannot execute that level of perfection on this side of heaven. There is absolutely no way. But what we can do is we can prepare. And one of the best things we can do to prepare for a new beginning is to abide with the Lord. We can abide in his presence. We can abide in his word. We can abide in worship. We can abide in prayer. And when we abide, one way to translate what abide actually means, abiding means to continuously be aware of something. And so when we start working in our mindset and working in our hearts and working in our feelings with the Holy Spirit to abide in Him, we can trust that we will know the steps we need to take when and how we need to take them. We can know the people we need to connect with when and how we need to connect with them. We can know the things that we should say yes to and we can know the things that we should say no to so much more easily when we are actually abiding with God. And in John 15, it talks about Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And apart from him, we can literally do nothing. We can literally bear no fruit if we separate ourselves from Jesus. 
And I think a very sneaky but effective way that enemy tempts us to disconnect ourselves from Jesus is to start pursuing perfection and to strive and to just spin our wheels to generate an outcome we think we need to generate when God actually doesn't call us to generate that outcome. God is very clear in this word that he just wants us to spend time with him. He just wants us to be in his presence. And when we abide in him, when we truly are spending time with him, he does all the heavy lifting. He does the work for us. Think of how an apple grows on a tree. An apple seed doesn't just will itself to someday bear fruit. An apple seed grows into a tree and the tree is rooted in nourishing soil and the tree just naturally starts to bear fruit on the branches that are connected to it. But the branch doesn't say to itself, I want to, I want to bear apples. I want to bear apples. I want to bear apples. The branch can't help but bear apples because it's connected to the tree. It's the same for a grape that is connected to the vine. It's the same for when we are connected to our Savior. We can't help but be prepared, and we can't help but bear good fruit for the new seasons that are to come to be ready and equipped for them when we abide with the Lord. So if you're not spending consistent time with Him, I encourage you, I implore you to start. And I think sometimes we think spending time with God has to look like an hour, half, two hours, three hours a day of being super holy. And I just want to encourage you to not overthink it. I think there are times and seasons where that is absolutely necessary and absolutely appropriate. And that might be how somebody spends time with the Lord on a day-in, day-out basis. But I think that if we start comparing what our time with the Lord looks like to other people's time with what the Lord looks like, we can very easily get it mixed up in our minds that it has to look a certain way to be effective. And that, that actually goes against the opposite of what it is we're trying to do. We're trying to abide in Him so He can prepare us and so He can work in and through us. So time with the Lord for you in this season, it might look like choosing to listen to worship music on your commute to work. It might actually look like choosing to shut your radio off, shut your phone off, or put it on Do Not Disturb, and praying out loud in your car on your way to work. It might look like giving social media a break for a little bit and taking the time you would give to social media and open your Bible app and read in the Bible app the verse of the day and mull on it and ask God a question about it. It might look like while your coffee is brewing in the morning, you read through a psalm or two. There are very easy ways we can get into the Word of God to get to understand and discern and learn and recognize His voice. And it doesn't have to be this hour and a half ordeal. The Lord can come and meet with you in 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 30 seconds, 1 second. It takes intentionality on our part to continue to be aware of something. So why not spend our effort on trying to continue to be aware of God's presence in our lives? Because His presence prepares us for what He has planned for us. We cannot underestimate the power and the importance of abiding in Him. Because when we abide in Him, He does the heavy lifting for us. Another thing that we can see from Moses' mom and her obedience and how the Lord works is that he protects us. When we are walking in obedience, when we are saying, yes, Lord, I will take this step by faith. Yes, Lord, I will enter into a new beginning with you in this season. We are protected. Obedience to God is synonymous with trusting God. And all throughout the Bible, trust and protection go hand in hand. 
The Lord is our shield. The Lord is a shield around us. I trust in the Lord. I turn my mind to the Lord and I am guarded in peace. You know, Philippians 4, 4 through 7, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. And with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will do what? It will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We can't obey if we don't trust God. Moses' mom could not have obeyed the nudging he put on her heart to put him in the Nile River if she didn't trust him. And trust, we got to be really careful about what we think trust is. We're not saying, it's not conditional. It's not saying, God, I trust you if you do X, Y, and Z. That's, that's not trust. That's a uh, transaction. Um, it's like going to the grocery store and saying, here are my groceries. And the cashier says, okay, well, you owe me this much. And you pay her what you owe her or you run your card and then you receive your groceries. So that's a transaction. It involves zero trust. Trust would be if the cashier said, here are your groceries. This is your total. And you say to her, I actually, I can't do that right now. Can I take my groceries home and come back tomorrow and pay you? And trust for her would look like saying yes to you and then you coming through and you paying for your groceries. I mean, I just think that sometimes we confuse transactions with trust when it comes into our relationship with God. And I'm not actually sure how good of an example that was because God is completely trustworthy. God always fulfills his promises to us. It's you and I who fall off the bandwagon. It's you and I who walk in disobedience. It's you and I who wander off in our mind into places we should never go. And then we feel feelings that are overwhelming. We feel feelings that are stronger than what our circumstances actually necessitate. And we feel feelings that are far outside of the truth that we have a living hope in Christ. And we do this when our trust in God starts to get confused with transactional circumstances or transactional relationships or transactional conversations. I do this for you, you do this for me, and then we're good. That's not trust. Trust is when the Lord places something on our heart and says, hey, it's time for this season to end and it's time for this season to begin. And we say, okay, Lord, will you show me how? Okay, Lord, will you tell me what to do? Okay, Lord, I trust that as I end this chapter that I'm very familiar with and I step into uncharted territory, I trust that you're going to protect me. I trust you're going to protect my mind. I trust you're going to protect my heart. I trust you're going to protect me spiritually from attacks from the enemy. I trust you're going to protect me. And what is one of the best ways to be protected by God when we're walking in obedience? You guessed it. It's abiding in Him. Just like baby Moses abided in the basket. I mean, there's no way that he was not aware he was in a basket. I mean, I know he was three months old, but like, just think about this with me for a minute. He was in this little basket. It was the only thing he knew. Yet he was navigating, the basket was navigating the Nile River, and then he got pulled to safety by Pharaoh's daughter. He was protected by this basket. And just like this basket protected Moses, it was waterproof. It kept him safe from predators. It kept him safe from drowning. It led him to a place of safety. That's what God's presence does for you and I. God's presence protects us. God's presence is a shield around us 
where there are just certain things that can't come into our life when we are abiding in his presence. And there are, are certain things that cannot attack us because we've come unseen by others around us in the best of ways. We can literally hide in the Lord and in his presence and be protected as we navigate unknowns and as we navigate new beginnings. It's one of the most beautiful things that comes out of trust-filled abiding in the Lord. And when we're also walking in obedience in new seasons and new beginnings, the Lord provides for us. And what I love about this is not only does he provide for us, but as we continue to abide in him, his provision for us leaks out and provides for others as well in and through our life. We see in Exodus 2 that Pharaoh's daughter told Moses' sister, yes, go get the woman who can nurse this baby and I will pay her wages. Not only did the Lord provide physical safety for Moses, but he also provided financial and emotional well-being for Moses' mom and for Moses. It is so traumatic for a baby to be separated from his mother, for both the baby and the mom. And here the Lord protects trauma from happening in that way and provides for their relationship. He provides the financial means the family likely needed, and he provides a pathway for Moses and his mom to have the emotional bond that is so essential to our overall mental and emotional and spiritual well-being as developing people. Isn't God so good in the ways that he prepares us, protects us, and provides for us? You know, sometimes in the provision of the Lord, I think that we can be very limited in our mindset of what that actually means. I think we can look at it tangibly. Like we want, we think that the Lord should provide for us in, through tangible means. And that is one aspect of his provision for us. He most certainly provides for us tangibly with finances through a job, groceries through a job. Um, it, whatever our physical can touch, feel, see types of needs are, the Lord is the reason for that provision. Absolutely. But I think we forget he can also provide for our mental needs, our emotional needs, and our relational needs, and even our spiritual needs. And like, well, of course, God provides for our spiritual needs. But I don't, I don't think that we always see it that way. I think we think I have to do A, B, and C, and X, Y, and Z for my spiritual needs to be met. And I have to do all these other things for my mental, financial, emotional, and physical well-being and all of those needs to be met as well. But I think we forget our first and primary job and responsibility in those needs being met is to join hands with the Holy Spirit and allow him to lead and direct the steps and the path that we take. The Lord wants to be our best friend. He wants to be the person we feel closest to. And when we abide in him, to the point where we can give up what is the most precious thing to us, not knowing what's on the other side of that giving up, but we know that it's time to move forward in a new season. And often that does require surrendering something that's quite precious and quite dear to us. And when we don't know what's on the other side of that, 
but we can trust the Lord to provide for us emotionally, mentally, physically, financially, relationally, and spiritually, it makes the decision a whole lot easier for us to be like, okay, Lord, I'm placing this in a basket and I'm giving it to you. Do what you want with it. Send it where you want to send it and help me to be okay in the process. It can be terrifying to end a season, to start one filled with unknowns. I think a lot of times, you know, especially in the realm of sin, we can get really, really comfortable with our sin to the point where we don't even recognize that we're living in sin anymore. And that's a scary place to be. It's scary, and it should be scary, to come to a place where we're so comfortable with what's familiar that we won't even consider walking into what's unfamiliar, even if it's what's going to be best for us. Can you just imagine Moses' mom? She knew a change needed to take place. She knew her season of keeping Moses home, that in order for him to have a chance to live, she knew this season needed to end. And I can't help but for you and for I, if there is, if we were going to make an analogy out of this, if there is sin in our life that's holding us back and God's saying, it's time to let that go. It's time to walk out of that. It's, it's time to be done. We're like, but I'm so comfortable with this. I would just rather hang on to it until I can't hang on to it anymore. And it's like, but what at cost? At what cost are we willing to continue to hang on to something that God's asking us to let go of? At what cost are we willing to pay? What price is high enough for us to say, oh, you know what? I, you're right. I don't want to pay for this anymore, so I am going to let that go. And I am finally willing to end this season to walk into a new, a new season. You know, the enemy is so deceptive and he's so sneaky and he's so good at the schemes he employs. But he's not better than God, and he's not stronger than God, and he's not wiser than God. So if God is telling us, hey, it's time for this season to end, it's time for you to deal with this sin problem, or it's time for you to stop living in comfort and what you know to be familiar, it's actually time for you to begin a new season with me. It's time for you to learn a new skill set. It's time for you to learn a new thought pattern. It's time for you to walk in freedom. It's time for you to say, out with the old, the old has gone, and the new has come. And if it's time for you to start a new beginning and you're terrified because you don't know if you have it in you to obey, you don't know if you have it in you to try one more time, or you don't know if you have it in you to pursue one more avenue to experience victory in this area of your life, just want to encourage you to take a look at the life of Moses' mom and what happened because she obeyed. Moses as an infant did not just make it to safety. Moses as an infant did not just escape genocide. Moses as an infant did not just miss out on a simple life or a life that would have ended too soon. Moses, because of his mom's obedience, went on to lead the entire nation to freedom from captivity and slavery. And not only that, he was the voice God used 
to lead people into a relationship with him, to get a, an understanding of his heart, to get an understanding of what right living looks like. God used Moses to do all of that. But God would not have been able to use Moses in the way he did, or perhaps even at all, had his mom not been obedient in saying, yes, Lord, I will end this season and I will walk in obedience to begin a new one, even though I have no idea what it's going to look like. I think a lot of times we become afraid of entering into a new season because we don't know what it looks like and we don't have everything figured out and we're um, pursuing perfection over progress. And so it, it becomes overwhelming to even think about beginning something new. But maybe what should overwhelm us instead is all the possibilities of the good things that could happen if we enter into this new season. Maybe we should allow our minds to make space to be overwhelmed by the many ways God might show his goodness to us, by the many ways that God might choose to work in and through us to impact the lives of a few people, a hundred people, thousands of people, or even a whole nation. We never, ever know what one step of obedience will do for this world and for the kingdom. And so I say to you today, don't be afraid to walk in obedience and start the new thing God's calling you to do today because you don't have everything figured out yet because you don't know what will happen when you open that door and walk through it. Don't be afraid of that. Instead, have a holy reverence and a holy awe of what God might choose to do in and through your obedience. Will you join me in prayer? Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for coming into this conversation for equipping us, inspiring us, and encouraging us, for showing us what one act of obedience can do, not just for one person, not just for one family, but for an entire nation. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reframe our perspective if it's off, that you would rewrite any narrative in our mind that isn't true and that isn't in line with your truth and your word. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would anoint our imaginations to be vessels through which you speak to us, vessels through which you equip us, inspire us, and encourage us. Help us, Jesus, to do your will. Help us, Father, to stand strong in you, and help us, Holy Spirit, to rely on you. And we thank you, Lord, for the ways that you protect us, the ways you prepare us, and the ways you provide for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, if you enjoyed this conversation and you want to stick around for more, I invite you to follow along so you don't miss the next one. You can also join my Freedom Friday email list, which is just a simple encouragement to encourage you to keep walking in the truth of God's word that always lead us into freedom. And it's where you can get um, the most recent updates on what Living from the Overflow is doing. So if you want to join that, you can email me at Hannah at livingfromtheoverflow.com. I hope to see you next time.